0: Welcome to It's All Political, the San Francisco Chronicle's political podcast. I'm Joe Garofoli, the Chronicle's senior political writer, and today we're talking with Congressman Mark Dessonnier. I've known him for a long time, since he was a Republican county supervisor from suburban Contra Costa County here in the Bay Area, and I had a full head of hair. But now he has his finger on the pulse of the Democratic Party as one of the more liberal Democrats in Congress, and I'm a bald guy doing a podcast. First, we talk about his amazing recovery from an accident a year ago where he was given a 10% chance to live. The story of his recovery is amazing. And then we get to some politics, including DeSonia's feelings on whether there will be a $15 an hour minimum wage passed. His answer will be a bit surprising to some of you, as might his friendship with AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. He talks about that a little bit. Oh, and a quick note about the voice you hear in the background. That's Betsy Marr, Desaunye's chief of staff, reminding him that he's got to go vote remotely. So we have a little bit of a a time crunch going on in the podcast today uh, that makes it for a little little speedier than usual. And now, joined by my friend and colleague, Tal Copeland, the Chronicle's Washington correspondent, here's our conversation with Congressman Mark Desaunye. Congressman Mark Desaunye, from your home in Concord, to talk Copeland's home in Washington, D.C., to mine in Oakland, welcome to It's All Political. Let's start with uh, something personal, because it was it was nearly a year ago that you stumbled and, and broke your way, well, for, for uh, listeners who don't know this, while you were training for a marathon. And uh, for those who don't know, you spent weeks on a ventilator. At one point, were given a 10% chance to survive. And on top of this all, you being a cancer survivor, a condition that suppresses your immune system, uh, an experience with, with, this coincided with the with the beginning of the coronavirus pandemic. Tal wrote this beautiful story about your comeback last fall. We wanted to check in on, uh, first of all, how you're doing physically and emotionally and everything right now, and, and politically, since this is all political, how this experience has reshaped your life as a legislator. I'm doing great. Thank you for
1: asking. I, I think if it's uh, reshaped me at all. is just a greater focus. I think anyone who goes through an experience like I have, um, comes out the other side, uh, is, you can't help, but, um, I've always been grateful for my existence and my life, my job, uh, but it, much more so now. So I want to make them the,
0: the best use of my time in Congress. And I filled with gratitude. L- last fall, well, you told Tal this the great story that she did that none of your Republican, uh, uh, colleagues had reached out to you during recovery. Did did any eventually ever reach out? Uh, I'm trying to think. You know, part of it's
1: been uh, when I've been back there. Um, COVID it definitely uh, limits the interaction that we had before. Uh, I don't think I have. Uh, but to be fair, uh, because of COVID and because of my health implications. Um, it's been hard to have the same interaction that we did before.
2: Speaking of Republicans, uh, California voters are very likely going to see a recall vote on uh, Governor Gavin Newsom, which, you know, the the National Republican Party is getting involved. Um, y- you know, you've been through a California recall before. Uh, we're wondering, do you think in this instance another Democrat should run just in case, assuming as it looks like this will get on the ballot. And, and what should Gavin Newsom be doing right now heading into this campaign?
1: Uh, the first question, no. Um, this is, if you remember, the Gray Davis election uh, was because the lieutenant governor entered the race that I think led to Governor Davis's uh, recall, which I think was, I uh, understood people were unhappy then. Um, I understand that some people are unhappy now, but this is the Republican Party using what's meant to be um, a more open constitutional in California provision vis-a-vis direct democracy. Um, they're using it for their own means and they'll do anything, as I've experienced on national level. So I, I, I don't think another Democrat should run. And I think this is a distraction basically being used by people who are followers of Donald Trump to um, make democrats spend money where they shouldn't have to
2: and you know on this note you actually used to be a republican (laughs) yourself back in the day but you switched parties i you know do you think that republicans in california these days are actually still a viable second party and just you know reflecting how do you feel like you've seen the republican party evolve uh throughout your political career
1: well, I registered as a Republican when I was 18 years old, which is a long time ago, in Boston, where I then lived um, to vote for Ed Brook. And if people remember Senator Edward Brooke, he was an African-American, very liberal Republican from Massachusetts. So that was my model. Um, I tell young people I was a liberal Republican um, and they look at me in complete confusion. Like how could there be such a thing? I, I hope the Republican party uh, somehow reinvents itself we've got a two-party system for better or worse and right now they're they're dysfunctional in um, my own view they're holding on to a white patriarchal uh, governing model that we're ready to get out of and California has led this our diversity um, is our strength as Nancy policy likes to say um, but our unity is also our strength so uh, I, I I left the Republican Party as Jim jeffords famously said, republican vermont from vermont uh, i didn't leave the republican party it left me it didn't want people like me in the party so now they've got what they've got which is pretty dysfunctional
2: well you mentioned you know california as a model if if the rest of the country is becoming more like california what is the lesson from republicans in california for for the national party
1: Well, I think this is their challenge. They're holding on to what they've got. And uh, President Trump was an instrument of this. They played to racism. Um, I was just on an oversight hearing about parity for women in the workforce. Shocking the things that my Republican colleagues brought up. It's so overt. Um, So Jimmy Carter famously said years ago, what happens in California happens in the rest of the United States. I think this is particularly true um, in my lifetime. The global economy has shifted in many ways uh, the Atlantic uh, dominance of the global economy to a more balanced or predominant uh, um, Pacific-based global economy. And California, of course, is the American edge of that. So we experience diversity, we experience um, diversity in terms of our immigration and um, our workforce. And it's made, it's one of our big strengths. So I think inevitably it'll be in the rest of the country, um, but the rest of the country doesn't want this kind of change uh, and they're fearful of it. And they're not used to change
0: the way we are on the West Coast. And I'd say Washington and Oregon are very similar. We'll be back with more of our conversation with Congressman Mark Sonier. After this short break, and now back to our conversation with Bay Area Congressman Mark DeSonia. How much has the the lingering fallout from the January sixth insurrection and the COVID precautions, which you alluded to, uh, affected relationships between Republicans and Democrats in Washington? Are there, are there people you you just like I, I, I just can't speak to anymore, or how has that affected the 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 lawmaking? ability of, of the parties there? Well, I'd say January 6th has really impacted it. And more than that
1: was the fact that after that happened, later that same day, when we came back in a session, and for me, it was pretty emotional because that was my first trip back and my doctors did not want me to go back because of the exposure I had because of my health conditions, which is now better because I've been able to be vaccinated. Thank goodness. And a Great job that the Very administration good. This administration doing, but the my the, uh, over a hundred members of the House, as TAL has reported, Republicans voted not to accept the election results, and to me that's um, that borders on treason. To be quite frankly, I, I just can't believe. So that's been particularly problematic, and it is for me because I like my predecessor George Miller. I'm very liberal, but I I try to work. I work very hard with my conservative Republican colleagues to find areas where we agree on. And I've been very successful at that. We've had over 60 pieces of legislation, mostly through amendments, and most of them have been bipartisan um, put into law. So that makes it a real struggle. And I'm struggling with it personally, to tell you the truth. I I have to get past that. I have to work with them because they are there and they get to vote. But um, your question's a good one, Joe. That's made it very difficult. The fact that they voted against certifying the election with no evidence after physically having to be removed and we were being attacked uh, is is uh, difficult to deal with
2: and and you and I spoke about that day. You were just off the house floor waiting for a turn to vote. Um, you know, when when the capitol was breached, and you and um the few people you were with had to be evacuated separately. It has you and I have talked before about your embrace of behavioral health and the importance of working through trauma? Just you know, how personally are you doing um, a few months later now?
1: Well, I, you know, people tease me back there, particularly some of my conservative. Republican people from friends, former friends, hopefully future friends from the South, they say only a California member would admit to going to therapy. And I'm like, well, you're the ones who have the problem that you aren't willing to accept the fact that behavioral health is important. Uh, And by the way, I bring this up all the time, UCSF and um, our facilities here in the Bay Area really doing a remarkable job around behavioral health and neuroscience Uh, UCSF is the second largest recipient of NIH funds in the country and almost surpassing Johns Hopkins. So um, the behavioral health is important. It's important to understand where we are in this country right now. And I'd also say pertinent to the Bay Area, the understanding of social media and how we get facts into your jobs uh, and its effect on cognitive development is an issue that's important to me as a member of the education committee. We have to understand how this is impacting uh, young people in particular and how we vote and how we, where we go to accept uh, information and in our own uh, realities. Clearly the reality
0: of many Americans is different from ours in the Bay Area of California. And we've got to figure this out. Let's, I, I want to talk to you about uh, a couple of things. One real quick. Uh, you're, you're kind of a quiet behind the scenes kind of operator, but you struck up a friendship with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez gotten to know her and some of her younger, more famous colleagues. What do you make of the future of the Democratic Party? And is it uh, it behind AOC? I think yes, in many ways. I think one of the things I
1: represent Alexandria very much for um, is that she's got the social media part. And I was very close friends with the person she defeated, uh, Joe Crowley, who was also a great member. Um, But Alexandria is one of those members who, um, she reached out to Karen Bass, wonderful member from Southern California, who's a dear friend, I serve with the legislature, who's a really good legislator. So, uh, Washington Post just has a story about a celebrity status and how a lot of Republicans uh, are overtly admitting, uh, Representative Green, that they're only in Congress to establish their celebrity status and then get a job on Fox News. Uh, this is a real problem for the country. You need people who understand the boring um, labor-intensive reward of legislating and it requires a good deal of expertise, I would say. Um, so It that is a really important conversation, Joe, that I'd love to have uh, a larger conversation with you folks about. This. Um, You need to have nuts and bolts people who care about problem solving. And this is one of the big problems in Congress right now is you have too many members who are uh, running purely for the social media status and and are overt about it and making money on uh, being in Congress. You need people who are there because they want to problem solve and they understand the legislative process and their responsibility to their constituents. It's a huge thing that I don't think this country has ever gone through. And it's one of the reasons for our dysfunction. And of course, Donald Trump was a example of that. He wasn't interested in legislating or understanding the process or the implications. He just wanted to be recognized in his ego. Huge, huge issue,
0: and Alexandria
1: is a good example of somebody who gets both. Um, Not all people do that, and it's been great. I, I, I um, was flattered that she approached me to because I have a reputation as being one of those people who's more interested in getting things done um, than getting on Fox or CNN. All
2: right, we wanted to do a quick lightning round on some policies. Do you see Democrats succeeding at getting a fifteen dollar an hour minimum wage federally?
1: Uh, no, but I think we'll get, we forced a uh, discussion to get an improvement over the 725 that hasn't been increased in 20 years.
0: What, what about, uh, you're in the Transportation Infrastructure Committee, uh, this this is Infrastructure Week, became a running gag during the Trump administration. What are the chances we will see an actual infrastructure bill signed into law? And I know it's a longer question, but what would it look like?
1: Yes, we will get one. I just, uh, my previous meeting with the Bay Area Council, Peter uh, DeFazio was part of the chair of the transportation committee, Peter and I work closely. We're both natives of uh, Massachusetts who moved to San Francisco, and then Peter moved to Oregon in the 70s uh, because he said it was too crowded then. Um, so I, I've i told him, actually, I've taken him for a tour of the Bay Area by helicopter to show him our challenges. I think we will get it passed. I think it's gonna be very, very significant. It's gonna issues deal with issues of climate change. Um, where our energy sources come from, renewable uh, and alternative fuels. And I think it's going to be very good about making sure no one's left behind. So I'm very excited about it and very engaged in it.
2: And what about uh, high-speed rail? Is California going to get any money for that?
1: I think it is. As you know, I'm a supporter of high-speed rail, but I've been very critical of the project management. I think uh, we can fix that, and uh, California needs and deserves a world class passenger rail system and high speed rail is a component of that. Um, so I yes, but I think we have to get the project management right. And I have to I think we have to invite invest first where the need is, which is in the Bay Area to our exurbs and in Southern California, where the job market and the modeling shows that people will use will connect to it. Um, and we need to get the Valley as well. But that should come at an appropriate time right now. The need is in the bookends about a minute to go.
0: Okay. Uh, quickly, last last fall, Speaker Pelosi sort of obliquely confirmed this will be her last term as Speaker. Do you think it is? If it is, who would be on your short list to replace her as Speaker? And do you think she'll, if she does leave, do you think she'll leave the House at the end of this term? I hope it is
1: not. Uh, the Speaker, Nancy, is a providential figure in American history, not just as the first woman, but as someone of incredible legislative talents. I mean, she's up there with Henry Clay as far as speakers in this country goes, and I would put her beyond that. So we really need her to stay. uh, If she's willing to do it, Uh, she's incredibly, she's an amazing asset for this country. Uh, There are a lot of good people um, aspiring to that position. Um, I personally think they need more time, Uh, uh, um, but, yeah, I wouldn't opine as to who would be the leader, but there's a number of people. Uh, unfortunately, um, most of them are not from California. So <laughs> we benefit from having her as well. I, I hope she stays. I would really encourage her to. But I also know that's a personal decision. Congressman, you got
0: to go. You've okay. got about 30 seconds oh. to join Ed and Labor. Okay, 30 seconds. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a no, a... no, no,
1: no. He's got like 30 seconds to join Ed and Labor to vote.
0: Oh, Oh, okay, okay. Sorry, you don't want me to miss a vote. I don't want
1: you
0: to miss a vote. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Paul. All right, talk to you. All right, you. bye, bye. thank you for being here. Uh, the congressman had to leave quickly, but uh, you're still here. Thank you for being here. And uh, anything that, that he said that uh, surprised you? Uh, you you've written uh, very intimately about uh, his his uh, recovery and such. What uh, what did you make of that?
2: I mean, I thought he. You know, his his admitting that basically the fifteen dollars an hour minimum wage isn't going to happen uh, was was pretty stark. but he said we'll get something, which is which is interesting to see where that goes from here. Uh, and I noticed that he said most of the contenders to replace uh, Speaker Pelosi are not from California, which leads me to believe that there may be some names out there that are. So another thing to keep an eye on.
0: Yeah. who was is, I'm trying to think of who that would Karen be. Bass. Could, could that be a Katie Porter? K- Karen. Karen Bass, Bass is Karen mentioned. Katie Porter is junior. Yeah. 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 If she is not appointed to, to the Senate. We shall see. <laughs> All right. But thank you for being here. And uh, thank you. As always, this will be a, this will be a fun one for someone to edit. I'd like to thank you all for listening and hope that you and your families are safe and healthy. I'd like to thank Congressman DeSonia for joining us today. I'd like to thank Tall for co-hosting. I'd like to thank the King, King Kaufman, for producing today's episode. Shout out for our fabulous theme music that's Cattle Call, written by Randy Clark and performed by Randy Clark and Krosoff. And remember, no matter how much you think the minimum wage should be, it's all political. Jesse, can we can we talk to Rajir? He always gets this stuff right.